Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Far-Fetched Fables, part of the District of Wonders Network. Featuring Tales to Terrify and Starship Sofa. Everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find yours. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, this is Farfetched Fables. Welcome to show number 168. My name's Seth, and I'll be your host this week. Being that this is a podcast, and you can't see my face, I'll have to tell you that each time I've had the pleasure of saying that to you, I can't keep grinning from ear to ear. It's been an honor and tons of fun. I have a few announcements before we get to the fiction. First, a reminder that we'll be open to submissions for the month of August. Have a look at our submissions page for guidelines, and please, send us your story. Also, one of our authors, Jeremy Zal, is going to be at Worldcon in Helsinki this year. Jeremy has had two of his stories on Farfetch Fables, Old Blood, in episode 107, and Last Age of Kings, in episode 123. If you missed them, have a listen. Jeremy is also the fiction editor for our mothership, Starship Sofa. He'll be hosting two panels, one on flash fiction and the other on editing, and would love to say hi to any of our authors, narrators, or listeners who'll be attending. This week, we have two stories. They sound very different, but are more alike than you may think. First, we present to you Princess Lily's Wedding by Robert J. Santa. Robert has written speculative fiction for more than 30 years. His works have appeared in numerous online and print markets. Robert lives in Rhode Island, United States, with his beautiful wife and two equally beautiful daughters, one of whom is named Lily. And while she is nothing like the Lily of this tale, she could be without stretching the imagination too much. Your narrator for this story is Matt Dovey. Matt is very tall and very English, and most likely drinking a cup of tea right now. He has a scar on his arm that he can't quite remember getting, but a terrible darkness floods his mind when he considers it. He now lives in a quiet market town in rural England with his wife and three children, and despite being a writer, he still hasn't found the right words to properly express the delight and joy he finds with this wonderful arrangement. His surname rhymes with Dopey, but any other similarities to the dwarf are purely coincidental. He's the golden pen winner for Writers of the Future, Volume 32, 
was shortlisted for the James White Award in 2016 and has fiction out and forthcoming all over the place. You can keep up with it on his website or follow along on Facebook and Twitter. And now, Princess Lily's Wedding. I love him, Daddy. King Frederick breathed deeply. It had been a very long conversation with his youngest child, punctuated by much pouting and exasperated sighing and stomping of pretty feet. Frederick stood over her while she held her face in her hands and cried. He wanted to do nothing more than pout and sigh and stomp his feet. Of course he couldn't, even in his daughter's bedroom with no one else to see. Kings had to uphold higher standards, especially with sixteen-year-old daughters. Lily, dear, he tried to soften his voice, I have never stopped you from doing anything, regardless of appearances. Remember when you wanted to learn sword play? Frederick heard a pause in her sobbing, and knew she was paying attention. I did not stop you then, and I seem to recall having to remind the fencing master that I was not simply a willful father. Frederick, in fact, had to stand in the training room and shout at the top of his lungs, I am the king! He had been much surprised when Lily expressed interest in fencing, much more so when she ignored the light rapiers and selected the broadsword during her first lesson. She could barely lift it, then. Three years later, she was applauded for her Giotto Stretto technique. You're going to tell me not to see him! Lily said through her hands. Frederick searched for a way to say yes without using the actual word. You are a princess, he said. It sounded like yes to him. I love him, Lily lifted her head. You have mentioned that. And we're going to be married. Please don't make me raise my voice to you, said Frederick. You let Andrew and Helena marry for love. Lily looked her father squarely in the eyes. Yes, I did, but your five oldest brothers and sisters married the people I told them to. Well, that's part of their duty to the family, Lily said. You don't have any more political needs. The kingdom is secure. Frederick looked down at his daughter and once again admired her for her intelligence as well as her beauty. He certainly didn't have to arrange another marriage. I allowed your sister and brother to marry whom they chose. He shook his regal head. I did, however, meet their betrothed. Well, you've met him, Daddy. Lily, I feel I am showing remarkable restraint. It's not like there hasn't been a precedent. Princess Elizabeth in Montebene, a Princess Ekaterina in Parvagrad. Lily stopped speaking when she saw her father's shoulders slump. He was defeated. There was nothing he could say to his daughter to make her change her mind and unlike other times when he had raged his opinion, he knew from experience the effect would be lost on one of his children. But it's a frog, Lily! He wondered if saying it for the twentieth time would produce different results. He's a frog prince, Daddy, she said for the twentieth time. I have no choice, do I? I love him. King Frederick breathed deeply again and let the air out in a long sigh. All right, Lily. Kiss your frog. 
and then you can marry your prince. Oh, I can't kiss him. Frederick looked down at her with newfound surprise, dredged from a well he thought already dry. Why not? Oh, because we're not married yet. It wouldn't be proper. But... The word came out in a series of b sounds. How will you know he's a prince? I just know, Daddy. Well, you have to kiss him. Daddy! The word exploded from Lily's mouth, as if she had been insulted. Considering her reaction, perhaps she had been. Do you know how many frogs get kissed by girls that turn out to be just frogs? A lot more than frogs who turn into princes. What makes you think this one's a prince? Because he is said Lily. Frederick tried to think of something to say and couldn't focus his thoughts on less than ten words at a time. He raised his arms and lowered them, then did it again. Had anyone but the king done it, he would have looked like a flapping duck. Instead, Frederick looked like a distressed king as he stopped in mid-flap. Then he left the room. I will not sanction a marriage of my youngest daughter to a frog, Gossamer. It had taken Frederick all afternoon to gather enough control to remove the exclamation points from his speech. Lily is a willful girl, said the Queen. She is accustomed to getting her own way. I don't understand where she gets her stubborn streak. Frederick glanced sideways at his wife as he smiled. The first of the day. It's a mystery, Gosmer replied, the corners of her mouth mirroring Frederick's. I don't think I can do this, he said. I'll talk to her. Thank you. Frederick held her hands and relaxed. His moment of peace lasted exactly three seconds. Mummy! Daddy! Look at me! Lily came into the room in a twirl of white lace. Her gown was almost as beautiful as the glow on her face. She clapped her hands and hopped up and down. She ran from the room with all the excitement of champagne bubbles rising in a glass. Frederick and Gossamer stared with open mouths. Should I still talk to her? she asked after a long moment. Frederick did something quite unkingly, which involved much cursing and a little crying, and won't be discussed in detail here. The sky was a bright, cloudless blue the kind poets with higher educations call cerulean. The gods of the air exhaled the softest puffs of wind, in ways that caused flags to flutter but not snap. The rose gardens around the castle chose that morning to explode with blooms to bless the air with their perfume. Songbirds alit in the parapet and sprinkled the morning with melodies, and it was all just barely over the top. Frederick wore his purple robes beneath the sable-lined cloak. He stood on the balcony and looked out at the assembled crowd in the courtyard. There was a great deal of purple out there. "'Will you make it through this?' Gossamer asked from behind him. He only nodded. Soon thereafter, Frederick stood beside the Queen at the top of the steps. Red carpet covered the stairs. Below them stood the royal priest, Princess Lily, and a page. The priest wore his highest hat, his most officious robes, and plenty of golden jewellery on his wrists and fingers. Yet it was a sackcloth compared to the bride. Princess Lily was as radiant as a sunrise on a calm sea. Her hair was woven with ribbons and flowers, 
held in place by a circlet of spun silver. Her dress, that had appeared as a twirl of lace a month before, proved to be a masterpiece of tailoring when standing still. Beadwork of diamonds and pearls covered the delicate fabric. It somehow made her look prettier than she was, and the bride was indeed beautiful. The groom, of course, wore nothing. He was carried by a page, whose uniform was starched to cardboard stiffness, on a soft lilac-coloured pillow fringed with golden threads. As the page stood beside the bride, he was clearly trying his hardest to think invisible thoughts. "'Your Majesties,' the priest began, indicating the king and queen without actually looking at them. "'Lords and ladies, honoured guests, we come together on this glorious morning to unite Princess Lily and... Then the priest floundered. Clearly he was trying to follow a speech he had made hundreds of times before, under normal circumstances. Uh, Betrothed, said the priest, after a pause long enough for everyone to notice. With the blessing of King Frederick, this couple begins today their life together. Then he continued with the prayers, the songs, the scattering of the flower petals, the anointing with oils, and the waving of incense. It was, indeed, a glorious day, but despite the blooming roses and cerulean sky, it was still a very long service. "'Do you,' the priest eventually said, as if out of nowhere, "'Princess Lily, take this groom to be your husband for ever and always?' Lily gazed deeply into the frog's eyes. Frederick heard snickering in the crowd below, and hoped he didn't flush too badly. "'I do,' said Lily and there was more twittering. "'Do you?' asked the priest, looking as serious as possible. "'Take this beautiful woman to be your bride, forever and always?' To everyone's surprise, the frog straightened up and looked directly at the priest. He croaked deliberately and loudly, one retort. Frederick couldn't help but feel it had also been delivered hoftily. The priest opened his mouth, but no sound came out. After a moment, he said, "Uh, Frederick was impressed he managed even that. I pronounce you husband and wife, the priest said, after only a bit more uncomfortable silence. You may kiss. Uh, And he obviously wondered if the groom could follow his prompt. Yes, the priest said. That's all. You may kiss. It was another masterful recovery. The page took his cue and lifted the pillow. Lily bent only slightly, her lips puckered. She pressed her mouth down onto the top of the frog's head and held it there. She lifted her head to the accompaniment of a little smack. Lily looked down at the frog. The frog looked up at his new bride. The moment, more uncomfortable than any other up to that point, persisted long enough to make every single person in the courtyard, especially the page, wish they were far away. Then the frog jumped off the pillow, a suicidal leap for such a small frog. Frederick was filled with mixed emotions as he simultaneously envisioned dancing up and down the halls of the castle and cradling his grief-stricken daughter in his arms. A pink glow that did not offend the eyes covered the stairs. The page fell back, retreating from both it and the centre of attention. Frederick blinked, and when the glowing vanished, 
a handsome man stood beside his daughter. He was tall, with dark hair that shone in wavy locks down to his broad, strong shoulders that topped a frame fit for wrestling bears. As a frog, he had worn nothing, but as a prince, he was garbed in a black and silver robe over black pants and boots. A circlet of matching silver held his perfectly parted mane out of his green eyes. Frederick's mouth was dry. He searched his mind for something to say and found it empty. Still, as Lily and the prince leaned into each other and kissed, he smiled as the assembled people burst into cheer-filled applause. Suddenly, Frederick found his hands together as well, and in his heart, he knew that of the thousands of people there, he was clapping the loudest. Lily and her prince waved to the crowd as they descended the steps. Another page held the carriage door open while they climbed inside, and to the sound of cheering and horses' hooves, the happily married couple exited through the castle gates. Far away, in the company of four white horses and a driver who could hear nothing below him, Lily leaned into her husband and kissed him again. "'I love you,' she said when they separated. "'I love you too!' The prince lifted his hand from hers and wiped his nose on his black and silver sleeve. It was not as if he hid this movement from Lily, but she softened more inside as she realised her husband was sensitive enough to cry in front of her, despite his lumberjack's build. When he pushed aside the curtain over the carriage's window and spit through it, her brow crinkled. But only after he shifted himself onto one butt cheek and did his best to imitate a trumpet did her happiness finally crack. "'I can appreciate keeping a facade for the general public,' Lily said, a smile nevertheless on her face. "'But you don't have to drop every Prince Charming demeanour when we're alone.' "'Silly girl!' The Prince raised a finger to his nose and inserted it up to the second knuckle. He continued to speak while he excavated. "'Prince Charming chops through walls of thorns and fights dragons!' He pulled out his finger and did little to disguise the bit of greenery on its tip from his new bride. She did equally little in hiding her disgust. "'I am,' he wiped his finger on the front of his shirt, "'a frog prince, after all!' Lily sat open-mouthed. Her husband leaned to his left and blew the trumpet again. And the two of them lived happily ever after. Well, perhaps happily is too strong a word, but we'll just leave it at that.' Welcome back. Thank you for the story, Robert, and the narration, Matt. Perfect pairing. Engaging? Funny. My dog gave me a look every time I chuckled. Our next story is Shoeman by Tanya LeBird. Tanya shares a birthday with Simone Daniel and Ray Bradbury, which may tell you a little something about her. And while she has an enviable collection of vintage dust bunnies to her credit, her passions are music someday. And, of course, words. Her poetry has been nominated for the Ristling Award, and her fiction has been long-listed in the 2015 Carter v. Cooper Exile Short Fiction Competition. Her story, The Ace of Knives, is in the anthology Postscripts to Darkness 6, and is used in Nissy Shaw's workshop as an example of code-switching. She is the associate editor of Abyss and Apex magazine. You can find her blogging or on Twitter, and support her over at Patreon via the links in our show notes. 
Her story is read by Chris Maycock. Chris is a Bayan Yankee who has lived in Brooklyn most of her life, a beach lover, a food lover, and a sci-fi fan who likes to think that she is both scientific and creative. Chris loves storytelling and the performance medium of audiobooks. And now, Schumann. Somewhere in downtown Toronto, a homeless man had shoes whose soles were flapping. He refused to give them up no matter what people said, no matter what people offered. They were the first things he ever bought in Canada, the shoes he wore to his wedding so long ago, the wedding that was supposed to mark the beginning of a new life, a good life in Canada. A good life. They were pretty young. He had a wife. He had a daughter. He had a job. Then the illness reared its head and took over, and everything spiraled out of control. No medications would make his mind whole again. The fear and confusion from his wife, the fights, the guilt over his daughter witnessing it all. When his wife died instantly from the car accident, while he barely got a scratch, fortunately their daughter wasn't with them. It was the last thing he could take, and he remembered just everything conspiring to force him out the door and leave everything behind. Well, almost, he still had his shoes. That was years ago. Then one day a stranger pointed at his beloved wedding shoes and smiling said he had talking shoes. He paid this man no mind, having had to endure worse comments or actions from strangers. The homeless man didn't question when the soles of his shoes started closing up of their own accord. But then, around his bare ankles, with his ashy, dry mahogany skin, there appeared teeth. Suddenly fearful, he took them off. Hi, Henry, said one shoe. Hello, Henry, said the other. But what is this? What the hell happened to my shoes at all? Now I have to walk around barefoot? No, you can wear us, they both chimed. Henry gave them a weary side-eye. You bad shoes. You gonna hurt me? No, wear your shoes, said one. We belong to you, said the other. The black leather on both shoes curved. Good Lord, they were smiling at him. All right, you two are okay. Y'all something else, yes, he said, grinning. He could wear them, they said, right? So Henry wore them. That day he walked around, panhandling, near the shopper's drug mart on the east side of Young and College. When night came, he went to a men's hostel, and someone tried to steal his shoes, but they clamped their teeth tight, tight around the thief's ankles, and he woke up to a man screaming. That white man was not a fan of anyone that night. He woke everyone up. The shoes left the would-be thief with blistering teeth marks. Henry's shoes were on his team. They weren't leaving him any time soon. He didn't bother staying in that rotten hostel after that. He slept where he could at night. 
One day he was lying on a park bench. He started crying. Why are you crying, Henry? His shoes asked him. My wife, he said, sniffling. I miss her. It's okay to miss your dead wife, Henry, said one shoe. Yeah, said the other. Henry sat up. It's not my fault. I used to have a good job. I used to work. I have a daughter, he said. It's not my fault none of the medication they have don't work on me. A lot of people on the street used to be like you were, Henry, said one shoe. What do you want, Henry? the other asked him. I want to sleep somewhere nice every day. I want to see my daughter. I want my daughter to say she loved me, he gesticulated. If my wife was alive, she'd tell my daughter to mind her father, pay him respect. I never beat her. I was never cruel to her. I love her. We can help you find a nice place to sleep every night, they told him. How? We can talk. We can sing for your supper. We can be there to speak for you when you can't find the words, when the episodes hit. We can even massage your feet, they said. He eyed them skeptically. In exchange for what? What you want? The shoes sighed. In exchange for nothing, they said in unison. We want to help. We want you to be happy, the other said. Don't you remember what that was like? The first one continued. When people just did things for you out of the kindness of their hearts, the other one asked him. Henry got a bit teary-eyed. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> he said, wiping his eyes. Well then, the shoes chirped in unison. He grinned. Okay then. From that day on, they kept him company as he panhandled, entertaining pedestrians, talking to him when he was alone. He even talked to them about his years in Trinidad. One day, a young lady the homeless man knew was coming down the sidewalk at Young and Gerard, arms full of various wooden carved items. She looked straight ahead, probably headed down to the store near Dundas that took some of her creations on commission. She looked lost in thought. She stopped in mid-stride and looked left and right when she heard two voices saying her name. Then when Henry called her, she appeared to recognize his voice. She looked down to the ground, having seemed to finally realize where the other voices were coming from. Her brown eyes grew wide. You like the shoes, Keisha? They like you. They remember you. They know everything about my life. Where you find them shoes? Although she was Canadian-born, she had Caribbean ancestry and could switch to Patois. Is me old shoes? Them bust-up shoes you just have on all the time? Yes. Well, what happened to them? Some stranger point at them and say how they is talking shoes. You know how people just say when your shoes soul flapping, your shoes talking? Only they really started to talk after that. But what is this? He pointed at the shoes. They're talking and singing for me supper, he smiled. 
Then he leaned in conspiratorially. I make a hundred dollars today, he said. A hundred dollars? Eh, you're doing better than me today. Here, take a flower. She placed a wooden flower carving next to his shoes. That's for your good luck. Things seem to be looking up for both of us these days. Yes, yes. They shared a comfortable, thoughtful silence. But, eh, eh, Henry, you smell like you wash. What is this at all? She smiled, fisting his arm good-naturedly. Well, I'm going home now. Uh-oh, where? Satan house? He smiled, thinking of what happened with his shoes the last time he was at Seton House, which was the proper name for the men's hostel. Yes, but not for long. A good, thank God, a glad. Goodbye, Keisha, said one shoe. Thanks for the flower, said the other. Goodbye, they sang to her, causing passers-by to do double takes before he put them on, and they wouldn't be able to talk. Keisha giggled. As he made his way to the men's hostel, Henry started to think the good luck with his shoes was a sign. Maybe now, this time, it wouldn't be so hard to move out of the streets, to see his grown daughter who had disowned him, his grandchildren. So somewhere in downtown Toronto, Henry, the man with the talking shoes, began to believe he could have a future. Welcome back. Thank you, Tanya and Chris. Good job. I love feeling good and somehow stronger after listening to a story. Remember, links to our authors and narrators' websites are in the show notes. If you'd like to share your thoughts on this or any of our stories, you can leave your comments on the Triple F website, our Facebook page, or on Twitter. We love hearing from our listeners, and we want to know your thoughts on our content. As always, please leave us a review on iTunes, Acast, and other podcatchers so that we can build our listenership and keep the stories flowing, and consider making a donation on the District of Wonders Patreon page so that we can keep the podcast up and running. Please remember that Far-Fetched Fables operates under a Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives 4.0 international license, which means you can download the content and share it all you like, but don't change it or sell it, and be sure to give credit where credit is due. All other copyright remains that of the authors. Violators will be forced to marry an actual toad. Thank you. This presentation has been brought to you by the District of Wonders Network dedicated to podcasting the finest genre fiction. You can learn more about the District of Wonders and their many literary productions at their website, www.districtofwonders.com. Thank you for listening. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips and adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at MintMobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at MintMobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.